Welcome to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Nathan Stacken here, my good friend and co-host of this fine podcast, Mr. Travis Crins, alongside me. Travis, how are we this doing uh, today? We're doing good. We're doing good. We've hit the links many times the past couple of days. Have you? Uh, uh, it was very hot uh, the past week. It was very hot this weekend, 90s. But uh, the weather, uh, I like the weather now. It's very cloudy in like 70 to 75. Uh, that's my typo. Marvelous day. What was your best round uh, on the course? Uh, not good, okay. is what it would be. Okay. Uh, me and Mr. Traxler went to Hartford on a Saturday uh, for the first time of the year. Uh, went 18. Then uh, Monday after work, uh, got nine in, in Mitchell. And then today, on Tuesday, as we take got in another nine. Wow. So I was very I was very pleased with two nine all rounds. What what do you usually shoot? I shoot I would say I shoot roughly bogey golf. Holy fuck. So you're hitting like ninety. You're hitting ninety, ninety five, ninety? Yes. Yep. Oh god damn. Here here's what you're me and uh, tracks are both pretty terrible at the golfer. Um I'll, 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 I did beat him by four shots. He usually beats me by a few shots. I beat him by four shots. There you go. How many pars did you get? None. Okay. I got five bogeys. Five bogeys. There you go. Um, so, which is which is a career high for me. So, look at that. There you go. Uh-huh. Vast improvement there. I mean, hell, you could practically be... Uh, you could golf with Scott Gregory at uh, Shinnecock. I could. 20 over is not too bad. I can maybe get 20 over... Uh, and I proposed, uh, Marcus was talking about, there's apparently a spot in Brainerd, Minnesota that he had heard of, somewhere you golf two, three courses in two days or some damn deal there. Yeah, is it at Cragen's? I don't know. I, I have no idea what this is. Is that a thing? What is that? It is. At Cragen's Resort is in Brainerd. I will actually be there this summer. They have two wonderful, Just, they have two nice courses. There's a par three course as well uh, on the grounds. It's very... Uh, it's a wonderful golf course, very challenging, um, but but well worth it. And I said I proposed to Mr. Traxler. Uh, he gets his money, Mr. Schottenkirk, and then in Mr. Stack and take on Mr. Traxler, Mr. Schottenkirk. And I felt uh, comfortable about my abilities against markets. We're pretty even, and uh, never having seen you golf, never having seen Mr. Schottenkirk golf, I feel confident in your abilities. If you're telling me you can shoot ninety. I feel confident uh, in, in that period. I, I, I feel like Shot and Kirk is it's much better than I am. I don't. Well, I'll have to I'll have to gauge. Drew, Drew is very good. Drew Heyman is very good. I okay. haven't golfed with him. He went to Top Golf in Denver. Yep. He knew, he knew what the fuck was going on. I feel confident you and Shot and Kirk are out. I would. I would, I would be fine with that. Okay. Well, we'll have to see if we can get this going. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're talking about Craigans, there, um, yeah, they, right. it's very nice course. I'll try, I'll try and get the courses uh, pulled up here. Um, but, but they're very nice. Uh, would you say that the courses that you played at this uh, over the last few days are as challenging as what Shinnecock was there at the U.S. Open? Unlikely. Uh, minimal grasses, uh, not, not, not the deep shit. The golf course looked fine except for the greens. The greens looked very difficult. Are we talking about uh, when you were out or at the U.S. Open? At the U.S. Open. Yeah. The greens looked 
goddamn near impossible. There was a, the 18th hole, I think. Um, if you were past the hole a little bit on one of the days, I saw one guy who was off the green, putted, and the thing ran past it, I don't know, 15 feet. It, it was insane. He, I think it was Jim Furyk or somebody. He barely hit the ball. thing just goes rolling nuts. I, it was bad. I was golfing Friday night, and one of the holes that I was on, it was it was right on a ridge. So if you missed it, it oh. was going back down the hill. It sucked. I mean, I missed the cup by about an inch, I would say, and it rolled 20 feet away. I mean, it was just uh, just insane. But, so the, the ratings for this were really good. I know Schottenkirk and I got into it a little oh, bit. Oh, my heavens. Well, yeah, practically. Um, I... And I know that uh, he doesn't care about the ratings. He thinks golf's in a good place. I was not, I guess, entertained so much. The fact that all these guys are struggling, yes, it's kind of cool for a while. But at the end of the day, it it you when you see all these guys struggle, it just seems like the the USGA is making a mockery of the tournament. In in my opinion, and I think more people were watching on the weekend. Because of how difficult the course was, I would argue that the ratings were up because of that and not because of who was in it or who was near the, the top of the leaderboard. And the last year they had good scores? Yeah, yep. Brooks Kepka won it with a 16-under, uh, I think, 16-17-under. Yeah, like, I, don't, I don't even remember anything. I, yeah, you say Brooks Kepka won. When you mention it, you remember. But I don't remember. I don't remember him shooting 16-under. Seems like we have the discussion every year about how difficult uh, the course is, mm-hmm. and I have not—I have not been interested in the majors uh, the past couple of years. I was interested in this one as much as I have in any uh, quite some time. But it, is it because not, of the course? Not so much the course, but yeah, Dustin Johnson, the world number one. Uh, he won last week, and as you said, nobody's ever won. Uh, you know, back-to-back weeks uh, with the U.S. Open. Yep. So that was interesting. Looked like he was going to win for a long time. And Kepka went it two in a row. So that was interesting. Came from quite a ways back. Uh, yeah, Tommy Fleetwood. Uh, that was amazing. Yes, Thought it was. Thought he was going to win it there. Uh, so I, well, the, the storylines, you had some guys up there and you had some storylines. World number one, the guy who won it last year, and some guy coming back from like 10 shots down to finish second. So that is why I was interested Monday than more than any time else. I, I wish though that we had you know the likes of Tiger Woods, or Jordan Spieth, Rory McIlroy in there. That's what really gets me excited when I truly see the world's best. I mean, Brooks Kepka has won once in the states, apart from these two U.S. Opens. So I mean, it, it's it's a very odd uh, thing that has happened here. And like I say, I, I mean, I'm all for challenging these golfers. I don't like seeing 20, 25 under win tournaments, but. I mean, hell, I, I mean, yes, Tommy Fleet would do good, but they had to water the greens overnight just to make it playable. Yeah. I mean, Zach Johnson's criticizing them, saying, you know, they they just botched this it's one. Lost. I lost the course. I can't find it anymore. Where'd it go? I, yeah. I mean, it's, and then, I mean, so I, I don't know. I just don't find that sort of golf to be all that fun because it takes away all of their true ability, I think. I mean, yes, I mean, you're fighting hard you're fighting physically, you're fighting mentally just to finish at one or two over. To me, that's not 
I guess, as entertaining, because you aren't even taking the elements really into it. I guess the wind, you know, certainly played a, a factor. That's why I like the U.S. Open, or I mean, I like the Open Championship, excuse me, because A, it's Link-style golf. I like the Link-style play. And B, it's because the weather can flip on any hole. That makes it more fun to me than just setting the course up just to to murder these players. But then you had, you know, Tommy Fleetwood shoot a 63. Yeah, Everybody th- else is struggling to get par, and this guy is going for, you know, the best round we've ever seen in any major ever. And that doesn't and, make and a that, damn bit of sense to me. Huh? And that doesn't make a damn bit of sense to me. I mean, that's amazing to me. That, that was the big draw for me, like I said, in that... Uh, on that Sunday, seeing him, you know, birdie, 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 birdie. My like, God, damn, he's uh, he's making a run at this. And if you know, if guys are going to go out and shoot, you know, a seventy-three, seventy-four, he's got a chance. And if it wasn't for Brooks Kepka, who did uh, very well on Sunday, he would have won the thing. It would have been one of the most amazing comebacks uh, in golf history. So, um, yeah. like you had a guy like what, Dustin Johnson, a four under in the first. Uh, first day or two and then yeah. only had like six over there on uh, Saturday which he usually does so that was uh, disappointing so mm-hmm. it was very and then you look at Tommy Fleetwood I think he shot like a 75 on uh, Saturday and he shoots a 63 so 12 shots difference it doesn't uh, make Saturday sense to Sunday. yeah it just it no. doesn't make sense um, but it was an entertaining US Open uh, the ratings reflect that uh, which is good I'm always interested in the ratings I I still would wager to bet that, that uh, I mean, the state of golf has a lot. It has a lot of great players, but can it sustain the success? You know, once the likes of Tiger Wood and Phil Mickelson. By the way, let's just get to Phil Mickelson right away or right now. I mean, what the hell? I don't know how he doesn't get DQ'd, uh, or as Clark Kellogg calls it, Dairy Queen, on uh, on Saturday by. Hitting that the ball when it's still moving, he got a two-stroke penalty. He said he knew the rule, and then he was like, I didn't know. So, I mean, foot in the mouth is, I mean, the explanation was terrible, but it's it's unbecoming of Phil Mickelson. I didn't think it was that big of a deal initially, but as you hear more people who are far more plugged into the sport and you know, have have had far more success, and you see all the fans that, that that are tuned in more. I guess I should ask Schottenkirk this too: is what did he think of Phil Mickelson? Like, is that? I mean, that's almost like a cardinal sin, especially when you're someone like Phil Mickelson to do what he did. That's something that's going to stick with him, I think, for a while. I was, I mean, you know, it was a too big of a deal was made of it. Some people went way overboard. It wasn't like he was in contention. So, I mean, he's way at the back of the pack. He wouldn't have done that if if he was in contention. Obviously, he was frustrated. Obviously, he was caught in a lie, or he said he knew the rule and all that, and two-stroke penalty. Um, It probably wouldn't have mattered anyway. He was going to roll for quite some time, and he was going to at least two-putt from there. So maybe he cost himself at most one shot. Maybe he didn't cost himself any shots. Maybe it was a smart play. But uh, one columnist said he should withdraw, and that was ridiculous. So do you, um, that didn't make any sense. Do you think the rule needs to be changed, though, to where if you're hitting a moving ball on purpose, that like what Phil did, that you should just automatically be disqualified? Because it, it's weird that they don't have that, that the rule is as fuzzy as it is when it came to this sort of situation. Two shots seems fair. They, they said you know John Daly did it 20 years ago. That's the only other time. 
that, that it's happened, that they've really seen it. We were actually done with our first nine holes. We were in the clubhouse, and it was on TV at the time, and I could hear it. I couldn't see the TV, but I could hear it. They were saying, I've never seen this ever. I'm like, what the hell happened? And I finally, you know, yeah. saw later on in the day. So, obviously, it, it sucked, but um, I, it was not, you know, the... the Go figure. I mean, this is also the same telecast with Joe Buck, and Joe Buck infamously once called Randy Moss's fake mooning in the Packer playoff game the most disgusting act he's ever seen. Um, so Joe Buck, Viking hater there, uh, maybe going a little overboard with what Phil did. Um, I think he probably should have been disqualified. I think you got to clarify on the rule. Granted, this won't happen very often, but for... A, for as good a player as Phil is, for as well-respected as he is on tour, this was a colossal meltdown and brain fart, if I've ever seen one. And then, like you say, uh, the, the just the terrible lie or excuse that he came up with that, it just, it, it very unbecoming of him. But I thought the Fox coverage was all right. They've gotten better in each of their years, wouldn't you say? What is this, the third year they've been doing it? Uh, fourth year. So at, at first it was it was bad. Then it gotten better. It gotten better at it, which you would expect. To know that it's that it's fine. So that that's good because Fox usually fucks everything up, but it's okay now. It's okay. I don't know if I I can't like critique their soccer coverage of the World Cup here. Um, I lost it for Christ's sake. I, hey, I you know what. Damn it, Krenz, I don't know what is going on, but it, it gets it gets me hooked every year, at least in the pool play, because I'm I'm just interested in in seeing which countries can do it. I always cheer for the Iceland African countries. Iceland? Oh yeah, I'm all on Iceland. I mean that. Have they played yet? Have I, they played yet? Yes, they they played. They they tied Argentina. They tied Lionel Messi. So I mean, it was just great. Uh, Messi had a penalty kick there in like the sixty first, sixty second minute. And uh, he got stoned. He didn't score a goal. Iceland, in their first ever World Cup game, the smallest nation at the World Cup, pulls off arguably one of the biggest upset we, upsets we've seen. An earthquake, literally, happened in yep. Mexico when they scored their goal against Germany. That's a huge upset win. Brazil ties with Switzerland. Uh, hoping to get Marcus uh, on the podcast here to talk more about the World Cup now that everyone... You ask him, you ask him about the golf. You ask him about Brainerd. Okay. Yep. I, I will. I will. If I remember that, I certainly will. Um, but yeah. So I've been very intrigued by the World Cup so far, and I, I think I prefer ESPN's coverage to Fox's. But um, I mean, they have Alexi Lawless. That's fine. How about? Have you heard anything about um, uh, about Landon Donovan and him like Mexico. going all in with Mexico? I mean, this this is a little. Uh, little weird. I don't know if I'm quite on board with what Landon's doing. Well, if you're going to root for a team and you're a U.S. fan, it would make sense to have Mexico be that team. Because, you know, because of the proximity and such. I mean, you know, know, they're a bit of an underdog. Who would they play? Who would they beat? Germany. Uh, Germany. Germany. And now he's what they beat them, so they might make it out of that, uh, that stage. So, good for Mexico. And if you're going to obviously... Group for somebody, a lot of Hispanics are doing the uh, whatever uh, Univision or whatever the hell the AM Hispanic Telemundo. Telemundo, monster ratings on Telemundo yes. for these games. So uh, good, good for them. Mexico, go nuts. You know what? I mean, I'm, I'm of course all on board the Iceland bandwagon. Sure. Well, not bandwagon. I've been with them since the Euros. 
2016. Uh, I, I always cheer for the African nations because I feel like, you know, when you don't have much, it's always nice to grasp onto that. You know, the, the World Cup thing is Senegal won on Tuesday, so that was big for them. Um, so I always cheer for them. I don't know if I could cheer for my route. I mean, that would be like me having to cheer for the Bison. Uh <laughs> Or you know, or the Packers to, to like that would be oh the, the Vikings aren't in the playoffs this year, but the Packers are. I'm going to cheer for the Packers to win the Super Bowl. Hell no, I ain't doing that. So, eh, I I just don't know. I don't know about Landon. But anyway, that aside, here that's the big stuff going on in the world of sports: U.S. Open and the uh, World Cup. Like I say, we'll try and get Marcus Traxler on. Uh, to discuss the World Cup more. Uh, let's okay, one, one more thing. With, yeah, with the yeah. golf ratings? Yes. No, Tiger Woods, you know, I don't think he's ever going to win another major. Right. Um, and obviously when he's involved, the ratings skyrocket. Yes. So I think we got to get to the point of what was golf like before Tiger Woods was around like 96, 97. So that's what kind of golf is like now. You've got a lot of guys who are very good, mm-hmm. uh, but nobody cares. You know, you got a bunch of guys, you know, in the, in the late or early 90s, mid 90s who were good, winning majors, guys like, you know, Greg Norman, Nick Faldo, Fred Couples, Davis Love III, all those guys that were good. I at think, the top of the list. I think they would care if a guy like Jordan Spieth or Rory McElroy would go on a tear. I would say those two are better than anybody that I mentioned right there from you know twenty five years ago. Yeah, and the only other uh, but, one possibly would be Dustin Johnson. Sure, but but you got I mean Christ's sake, they're they're missing cuts, and sometimes they're not even in contention. Right, and uh, that's that's disappointing. So you got to be more consistent there. Uh, but when I think we're back to that point of that's what golf is. Golf is kind of a niche sport. Um, people tune in for the majors. Other than that, I mean, nobody's really going to care. Uh, you know, your normal Sunday on CBS. Yep. So I think we have to refocus on what golf is, because Tiger Woods kind of an inflated golf to levels never seen. Right. No, absolutely. I agree with that um, wholeheartedly. The next major is the British Open. That will be in the middle of July. I believe uh, right when it coincides with uh, the MLB All Star break there, so uh, you can get up early and uh, and watch some good golf. It's at Carnoustie this year, Carnoustie. So oh. that's um, I always look forward to that. So I'm, I'm very interested by that. Uh, big news out of the NHL: Barry Trotz uh, was the head coach of the Stanley Cup champion Washington uh, Capitals. He is now no longer the coach. Uh, they the two sides could not agree to a contract extension. Uh, money had to do something with it. I think the length that uh, Trotz wanted, he wanted five-year extension, and Washington balked at that. Uh, how stupid do the Capitals look here? Well, you know, obviously they won the Stanley Cup, and they've been good. Uh, what has got like the best record in the NHL? What has been there four years? Yep. So uh, I think they've got the best record, most wins, most points in that time. So that's good, and lots of playoff miscues and they finally get it done this year um I would say you know coaches you know Steve Kerr does Steve Kerr matter to Golden State probably not but I really like him a lot uh I mean does does the hockey coach matter a bunch I would say not a ton you see I mean guys have been fired you know yep and then teams go on runs 
a week into the season, they've been fired with a week into the playoffs, with a week to go in the playoffs. With you, I mean, it's like, why? No sense to rhyme or reason to why these coaches get fired. You would probably uh, like him to be there next year. You'd probably like that since he's had a lot of success and he'll oh. go somewhere. Plus, I'm sure he next year, didn't do Quite well. All right, I mean, plus he won the first Stanley Cup in franchise history. I mean, I would have given him at least a three to four million dollar raise in salary. I mean, the five the five years, I I agree. I think that's a little too long, especially in the in the NHL coaching world. Because I, I'm just thinking off the top of my head right now, you have Joel uh, Quenville at in Chicago, and that's about the only coach that I can think of that's like with his, been with his team uh, a length of time. Uh, and who deserves to be with his team that way? So I just, it, it's weird. I I don't think I, there's something else going on here. But uh, it sounds like they're going to promote the assistant head coach to head coach, and it sounds like Barry Trotz could make his way to the Islanders. They're the only cur- uh, team currently with a head coach opening. You never know if the Rangers get in on the mix too, though. So interesting stuff there in the hockey world. They have their. Award show in Vegas this week. Uh, the the NBA, I believe, is also having their award show. I think maybe that's next week uh, in Vegas. Uh, we will talk NBA. We'll have the we'll have the NBA draft talk here coming up in just a few minutes. Uh, no NFL talk. Nothing really going Jeff on. Floyd, I I I I'm gonna be there. Four eyes. If you do NBA draft, I, I don't believe so. I don't believe so. Oh, but I, I, could, I could I could. I can ask him where uh, what he thinks of uh, the Brooklyn Nets and uh, and their prospects. Do the Nets even have a pick? Yes, they do. Well, they don't. Not in the first round, anyway. Or at least they don't. Not the ninth pick. That goes to Cleveland. But anyway, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit here. Let's talk. Uh, anything else uh, before we head to the diamond? No, good. Yeah, I mean this is a, a this is a real lull right now for us in sports, which is not a bad yeah. thing. Uh, not a bad thing, but let's talk some baseball. Uh, how do the there's plenty of other stuff going on right now, but I'll just ask about the Twins. How do the Twins split with the White Sox, the worst team in the division, arguably at home, and then take two of three on the road against the Indians? Explain that to me. Uh, very inconsistent. Very inconsistent. Very frustrating. Uh, they're not very frustrating. Uh, they they've shown they can play with the best. And they they can lose to the worst. So it's, it's very frustrating to watch this team. The talent is there. If they just played average, for Christ's sake, uh, they'd be in that wild card mix. Uh, they knocked around Corey Kluber pretty good on Friday night. He only went five innings. Probably could have went longer. Only 365 pitches, but they got uh, three runs on him in one inning. So uh, beat Kluber. Then uh, Joe Maurer had Carlos Kraft on the goddamn elbow. And uh, he's on the DL. So that knocked him out of the game. And I think they got four or five runs in the first inning or two on Saturday. So uh, good starts, good early starts, and uh, left way too many base runners on base Sunday. Uh, could have could have swept Cleveland. That would have been a big difference being three back instead of five back. So um, Escobar, he should be an all star. Yep. He leads the world in doubles. How about Rosario? Uh, Rosario as well should be an all star. We've got Snow and Buxton, neither on the team at the moment, uh, but you got the two Eds putting together uh, legitimate all-star seasons, and at this point, we'll see what happens in the next couple of weeks uh, when the all-star game is announced, but at this moment, if they are not on the all-star team, that is a huge, huge misjustice. Yes, 
No, no doubt about it. Uh, so that's where the Twins are at here. Don't really need to talk about the Yankees and the Red Sox. They're great. The Red Sox took three, uh, two of three, or is it three of four from the Mariners last over the weekend? Yeah, they, they won that series. They uh, they did well. Uh, but easily the the be- the biggest story in baseball right now is the Houston Astros. As of the recording of this podcast, twelve game win streak. Uh, no doubt, uh, probably will jinx them, and they will lose uh, as we record this here. But they are playing absolutely fantastic, and any hope that you might have of maybe Seattle hanging around well, with them. I mean, see, yes, yeah, I mean Seattle's still, Seattle's still, right? The, Seattle's still in it, but Grant, given the fact that Houston doesn't play any uh, a team with an above five hundred record uh, until after July twentieth, I'd say they can put some distance between them and the Mariners uh, to be comfortably ahead in July and then just need to fend them off as uh, we go down the stretch. They should have lost last night to Tampa. Uh, I ended up winning in a walk-off in the ninth inning, so I got lucky right there. Uh, Seattle, with all of these one-run victories, it's it's ridiculous. It's the most wins ever um, this early in the season with one-run games. Like half of their wins are one-run games, so it's it's quite remarkable. Uh, probably a pace they can't keep up, but right now it's looking like they're going to be in that wild card game against you know, a hundred-win uh, Boston or Yankee team. So that'll be interesting to see. And uh, yeah, Houston, twelve in a row. Go, go nuts! Dude. And uh, Scherzer, Max Scherzer, for Christ's sake! Oh yes, record. Nationals pitcher. Yep. They're the all-time record. Max Scherzer's all-time record for uh, K percentage. Percentage of the, the batters you face that you strike out. The all-time record was Pedro Martinez in 1999. It was 37 and a half bat- of the batters he faced struck out. Scherzer right now on pace to break that record. He's at 39%. Wow. Uh, so that's something to, to keep track of, see if he can break that all-time record. I mean, he at this point now, he should be at least in contention for NL MVP. The Nationals, though, have fallen off the wagons here. Uh, their offense is abysmal at best. But, yeah, Scherzer's played great. It, there was something a couple weeks ago where he struck out uh, all three batters, nine pitches, all of course, all strikes or foul balls, um, and out of the inning. So nine was very clean, and someone, I, they were calling that, like, the greatest – uh, thing uh, you could do as a pitcher. Called, wouldn't, wouldn't the greatest thing you could do as a pitcher be to get guys out on three pitches? That would be nice. It's called an immaculate inning. Immaculate inning. Thank you. It happens once in a while. And uh, he's very good. And what he had like a pinch hit double the other day last week or some damn thing. So that was, that was good as well. But but what's the bigger deal? The immaculate inning or getting someone out or getting three batters out in three pitches? I'd like the strikeouts. Strike them out. Three, 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 bam, bam. Man. I okay. think that's. I think that is more impressive. Okay, that that's fair. Right. I, I mean, no, I that, that's I, either way. I, that's totally fair, and I you know what they are doing very well right now. Uh, has Arizona turned the corner here? Have they finally kind of yep. steadied themselves out a little bit? Yeah, I think so. They're back. They won seven out of ten. So it's it's them and the Dodgers. That'll probably be the best. Oh, yeah, you got some good division races here. I mean, every division is up for grabs here except Central, and that's still close at the moment uh, with Detroit. 
Yep. But uh, good division races. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt finally got his head out of his ass, and uh, he's been hitting for the last couple of weeks, so that is a, a big jolt to that lineup for Arizona. Uh, Washington traded for Kansas City closer Kelvin Herrera. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's very good. So they're heading to that bullpen, but again, it's really not their pitching, it's their hitting. It's their hitting, and it's similar to the Twins, in that you, you can't really go and replace anybody because everybody that you want up or like is there. And with Washington, there's really nobody you would go out and get because everybody's in the position they should be. So it's tough for Washington. They just have to have to play better. Let me ask you, the, I'll ask you this uh, again right before the All-Star break there, but... What is the the team that has surprised you the most this year in terms of you didn't think they would be very good, uh, but they have been a pleasant surprise. They could still be last in their division, but they've competed a lot more than what you thought they would or have won more games at, to this point. I thought Detroit would be the worst team in baseball. They're a game under five hundred at the moment. They've won 7 of 10 okay. for the three games out of first. I thought Detroit would be the worst team in baseball. There they are three games out of first. So that's by far for me the biggest surprise. I thought Milwaukee would be good with their starting pitching. I didn't like it. Uh, so I didn't think they'd be in first. I thought they could be over 500, but maybe not, not a playoff team. Uh, Braves, obviously, Braves and Phillies, you love them. I Mets get completely shit all over themselves. Yep. Uh, they, they cannot score. You want to talk about a team that can't score, right. they cannot score any runs. Um, Rockies have fallen off. They've uh, lost 8 of 10. Yep. But, uh, I mean, Padres. Padres aren't too bad. Right. Padres, they can even win 74 games this year. Eric Hosmer has done well. Yep. But uh, the Detroit would be the team I'm the most shocked. Yep. I, I agree with you there. I would like to throw an honorable mention at least to the Marlins. Yes, they're, they're 50, they're 29 and 44 as of the recording of this podcast, but I thought they would be absolutely awful. You know, that they wouldn't have, you, who, can you name anyone on that team? I mean, Lewis, Lewis Brinson. Uh, uh, JT Real JT Real Muto is their catcher. He should be their he'll be their all star, and they should trade him because he's really good. Who, who's the uh, the guy who was in the home run derby along with Stanton last year? Justin Bohr, the first baseman, he has struggled. Yep, uh, they got old bald Brad Ziegler, their closer. He's been bad. Uh, Jose Urena, big stars for him opening day. I, mean, uh, I just expected yeah, them to be worse at this point than they than they have been so far. And then on the flip side, what's one team that you thought would do good and has re- struggled and really been just uh, below expectations? Twins. Twins. Okay. How about the? Uh, the I mean, do, I thought the Orioles were going to be bad this year, but I don't think any. I didn't yeah. even expect tw- uh, this bad. You know, to be twenty and fifty. Well. Well, I think Kansas City is the worst team in baseball. I think they're awful. Oh, they I, tell everybody here. When did they? Uh-huh. When did they play the Orioles? I can't wait for that series. Let's get. Huh. Let Let's find out when this series is. I think drive they down the Kansas. Drive down to Kansas City for that shit fest. I mean, but, I mean, uh, a lot of extremes in the American League. You have Houston. Uh, the Yankees, Boston. I think all three of those teams will win at least a hundred. And you have Kansas City, Chicago, and Baltimore. I think all three of them will lose a hundred. I don't think that has ever happened. I looked at some stuff a week or so ago. Uh, looking, uh, I think the most 
one, one division, one time in the current era with, uh, with three divisions in each league, I think there's been a, two different times there's been two teams in the same division lose 100 games. It was in the AL Central one year, NL Central the other. I think White Sox and Royals are going to easily get that done this year. Uh, Royals and Orioles from Kauffman Stadium Labor Day weekend. So... Seems like uh, we yeah, it seems like a good trip right there. I think uh, it'll be interesting to see if both teams have a hundred losses by that at, at that point. Uh, not it won't, but it'll be bad. It'll be bad. It'll be the two worst teams in baseball slugging it out. Anything else baseball related? No, that should uh, be about I don't know. Okay, baseball. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. Now, uh, right. last piece of business. Baseball. The Asian they talked to the last week, didn't we? The Asian got hurt. So. Uh, yes, uh, o- o- Otani? Yes. Yeah. Um, he's, I think, being reevaluated here in a couple of weeks. So, that's yes. good. NBA draft is Thursday night. We're not going to talk about this LeBron watch crap. And, oh, I guess one piece of business before we get to LeBron. Uh, Kawhi Leonard doesn't want to be in San Antonio anymore. He wants to be in L.A. I don't see any chance that the Lakers would trade or that the Spurs would trade him to the Lakers. Uh, so where do you think Kawhi would end up? Boston. Boston's got the pieces. They've got the draft picks. Uh, trade, you know, somebody. Uh, Jason Tatum, not Jason Tatum, but... Uh, Jalen Brown? Yep, Jalen Brown. Say Jalen Brown, some draft picks and some dudes. Get yourself some, some Kawhi Leonard. Win the East, make the finals. Uh, but you got to make sure he's going to sign with you because last year is the last year of his next year is the last year of his deal. So you have to make sure he wants to sign with you. Uh, you have to make sure he's healthy. What was the deal last year? Uh, sounds like he probably could have played. Um, Spurs weren't going anywhere. So was that a decision for him to not play to protect himself? Yeah. So. Um, I, I got to know more about that if I'm if I'm Boston. Yeah, I don't. I think Kawhi has hurt his image here. Yeah. Because um, and you never know. Maybe the injury is that severe, but I can't imagine a quad injury would be the reason that he would be out almost the entire year. Or like going back to last year's playoffs. I, I just and not wanting to rehab and or wanting to rehab on his own. It's just there's something fishy about what's going on with Kawhi Leonard. So I would be a little hesitant. Um, but I. If the Lakers, I don't, I just don't see the Spurs trading him to the Lakers. Uh, but that could be how LeBron goes to LA too. I, I don't know. It's gonna be, it's gonna be interesting. But maybe, maybe LeBron's decision will hinges on the NBA draft, which is Thursday night. Uh, two rounds as the as they are every year. Uh, I'm gonna come up with a top ten. Do you want to do a top ten uh, mock draft right now? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, the NBA always has trades, and it's so stupid that they, they say, oh, this team's drafting this guy, but they're trading the rights to this other team. It's like, let the other team make this pick then. Uh, it It's weird. So inevitably, there will be trades in the top ten. Um, but as it stands right now, Phoenix Suns have the number one overall pick, and I hear a lot about this uh, this Luka Doncic from Real Madrid. They're not the not the football club, not the soccer club, but the basketball club. Uh, he's he appears to be the real deal. He's from Slovenia, but uh, with the Suns getting the first pick, I don't see how they go 
that route. I know they hired the his former coach uh, to be their head coach, but I gotta think it's DeAndre Ayton. I, I just he he is that guy. You gotta make a splash here. Why not get the kid who is uh, a star at the University of Arizona? Give me Ayton. Yeah, Andrew Ayton's pretty easy pick for me. I mean, he's he, he's very good. He, um, I think I think he'll be an all star. So that's that's a good pick. Yeah. Uh, then at two, the Sacramento Kings. Is this where uh, Luca will go? I think so. I mean, if if he is truly the second best player, why not throw him uh, to Sacramento and let his career die right there? Yeah, it'd be a good way to die. Um, that's where it's been, but apparently Marvin Bagley is. Uh, He's getting the buzz here, so I'm going to say Bagley goes two. I have no idea why why Doncic is not going to. Uh, I don't know if he's maybe uh, said, ah, maybe I don't want to go to uh, to Sacramento. Um, so I don't know. I'm not a big Bagley guy, but um, I think Bagley's going too. All right, then at three to the Hawks, I've heard a lot of steam about Trey Young here. Uh, I don't know. I think that would be a reach. You could get someone like Jaron Jackson uh, Jr. from uh, from Michigan State. Marvin Bagley is available here as well. I will give them... I guess I'll go Marvin Bagley III out of, out of Duke. But um, I, I really, it sounds like they are fascinated by, uh, by Trey Young. Oh, I think Jaron Jackson's going to go here. It's interesting. Okay. The top three picks. The top three picks are big guys uh, that have to develop some shooting. So uh, I think Jackson. He's also. I think he's going to be good, and uh, I think he goes here. So it's uh, it's interesting. Trey Young. Um, maybe the NBA is even better than him than college because fast pace and we're all about the threes now. Yep. So uh, whatever team gets him, that'll be interesting to see. Uh, what impact he has. Well, I'm going to say Jaron Jackson Jr. is the third goes to Atlanta 3. Okay. Uh, then you get four. You got the Memphis Grizzlies. I'll give them here Jaron Jackson. If he, falls, if he falls that far, I'll, I'll just give him uh, I'll give the Grizzlies uh, the rights to uh, Jaron Jackson. I'm going to go Doncic. Doncic forward to Memphis. Memphis severely disappointed me, so if Mike Conley can get back there uh, Mark Gasol, Mark Gasol, can't get back there. I may pick uh, the Grizzlies to make the playoffs again. So, give me Doncic four. Okay. And, and maybe if, if people think this kid's the real deal, uh, then you should maybe trade up if he drops to four. Five My Bulls, maybe do that. <laughs> right. Um, I've heard the Bulls are kind of linked to Michael Porter. So uh... that'd be, that would suck. To have. <laughs> that would suck so much, Zach. You would already <laughs> believe it. Five with the Mavericks. I mean, yes, you still have Trey Young here. What? I, and I haven't looked at the Mavericks roster, but what would a uh, Mo Bamba do here at, at this pick? I mean, is that a realistic pick there at five? Yeah, what he would do is he'd be a tall son of a bitch that would block a lot of shots. That's what he would do. Do they need point? Um, do they need guard help, or would it make sense? Like, do they need guard help more than getting Mo Bamba? I think they everything because they suck. This probably be uh, Nowitzki's <laughs> final year. Um, I mean, they, I mean, they, you know, they have Dennis John, uh, Dennis Smith Jr. He was uh, good, so you hit on that uh, after that pick last year. They got Harrison Barnes, uh, who's who's garbage, making twenty three million a year. 
Uh, I mean, I think they could probably use a big man more than uh, more than a perimeter guy. So, uh, you want to take a uh, long-armed Bamba? Uh, I'll go with Bamba. Okay, good. Um, and then at six, Orlando. This is where, I mean, you have Colin Sexton still on the board from Alabama. But if Trey Young's available, Orlando, there's nothing splashy about them. There, there just isn't. There, there's nothing... That's great about them. There hasn't been anything good about them since Dwight Howard, and before that, it was Anthony Hardaway and and uh, Penny Hardaway and Shaq. So let's add a little bit of spice here. Let's give him Trey Young to six to Orlando. Yeah, you could do that. Wouldn't be terrible. Um, then we don't have much of anything. So again, all these teams suck. I could pick anybody. Right. Uh, Trey Young. Yeah. I, I suppose. Go with Trey Young. Do, 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 do something. I mean, granted, I, I, like I say, I don't know if that'll be for sure what uh, what takes place. I, I think I'm going to be way off here with my top ten, but um, you never know. I mean, who had Anthony Bennett going number one a few years back hey, to Cleveland? Nice. <laughs> that's the worst number one pick of all time. Even Kwame Brown is like, hey, dude, that's that sucks. Uh, seven to the Bulls. Do I do it? Do I give you Michael Porter Jr. here, or uh, do you, do we go Colin Sexton? Uh, I don't like Michael Porter. His injuries is back. I don't like it. I think so it was I a colossal mistake in. for him to come out. I really do. Huh? I think. Well, it, I mean, he's uh, he's, he's going to be a top ten pick. He is going to so. get paid, but I I mean I if I'm a team. And I see what he did last year in college. I'm going to stay as far away from him as possible. Um, I guess I'll give him a sexton here. I I would uh, agree with with you know, Michael Porter. I think he's got to go now because if he is hurt, the next year definitely you know he's not going to go this high. Um, I didn't like Larry Markkinen, um, but he was very good. He was better than I thought. Um, like Wendell Carter from Duke uh, is, is a possibility here. Uh, Bridges uh, from Villanova uh, is is a possibility here. Um, so so you got a couple of guys. Uh, the Bulls kind of need a little bit of everything. Oh boy, between Wendell Carter and Bridges, um, I'll say Bridges from Villanova. Okay. I if if there's a guard that falls to Cleveland, would they take him there? If if Sexton or Trey Young fell to Cleveland, would they snatch him up in a hurry? And Trey Young, they would. I think they're going to take Wendell Carter okay. from Duke. So that's who, that's who I would have them okay. select there. I was just Wendell wondering, Carter. though, if either of those two guards would happen to fall. Yeah, I think they'd probably take Trey Young. Okay. Uh, Sexton, man, no. Uh, I think Wendell Carter. Okay. I will go Wendell Carter with the Cavs as well. Any chance that uh, uh, Bridges, Mikhail Bridges from Villanova would be an entertaining pick here? Sure, yeah, if the Bulls don't take him, then he's in the mix. I mean, outside of the first, you know, three, four, five guys, you got, you know, a mix of a half dozen guys there that uh, really they could go anywhere from six, seven to ten or twelve. Uh, the, the Knicks make terrible decisions, always do, so Michael Porter Jr., you're going to New York. Wow, what a shot. And you're going to take Colin Sexton from, from Alabama, I think is what they're going to do. Okay, and then 10, Philadelphia 76ers. Let's add some more. You know what? Mikael Bridges is here. Let's go Mikael Bridges at 10. So uh, they like their players that are hurt all the time, so let's go Michael Porter. Ah, there we go. Well done. 
then so there's the top ten. At that after that, it just gets it it gets silly. There's a lot of good players out there though. Um, I'm interested kind of in Zaire Smith from Texas Tech. Uh, Mo Wagner, see where he ends up. Uh, Dante DiVincenzo, he, I mean, he was phenomenal. We'll see where where he can go here. Any What team is going to surprise us? Um, Probably the Hornets because they suck at drafting. Oh, okay. So the, the, they'll, pick a, they'll pick a white guy. That sucks. Frank Kaminsky, the fourth? Frank Kaminsky, all the white guys. All the white guys that suck go to Charlotte. You got to better than that, Jordan. Yeah, to do better than that. Um, they like their Kentucky guys that suck as well. Michael Kidd, you know, Chris is bad. They got uh, Kevin Knox from uh, freshman for Kentucky. Yep. Um, he's going to be a dude lottery pick probably. Yep. Um, you got Bridges, Miles Bridges from Michigan State. You got him. Yep. Uh, Kate, uh, Kate Bates-Diop from Ohio State. You don't have a ton of uh, Europeans, thankfully, in the top 15 or so, you're going to have maybe two or three be taken in the top 20. But, um, you know, you just don't know a lot about them. Um, Timberwolves, I mean, what do they need? They need, like, a DiVincenzo or any of the guards, somebody that can shoot for Christ's sake. Oh, if they got Dante DiVincenzo, I think I would go, I would go nuts. I like this. I would like that pick. Uh, nuts in a good way. Uh, Ted Cruz's son is going to get picked, so yes. uh, nothing but the worst for him. Happy Father's Day, family. by the way, to, to Ted Cruz and Grayson Allen. Uh, I hope he goes somewhere awful. So, he sucks. And, uh, there you go. NBA draft. Get hard, folks. All right. Get hard. <laughs> yeah, that will I take place. Top 10. I think top 10 is very good. Top 10. I mean, we, we know all of these guys. For, I mean, it's yep. not some random dude we've never heard of. Uh, you know, so, yeah, apart so from Doncic, who we like haven't yeah. seen at all, but yeah, I mean it, it's it's good. So I'm always interested by the NBA draft, and then that'll lead into free agency. Can only hope that the Timberwolves can make a run at uh, you know JJ Redick and uh, you know, see what happens there. But yeah, the the NBA draft can be interesting. You've got World Cup going on, baseball, then NBA free agency starts uh, at the beginning of next month. Uh, anything else from you, Mr. Krenz, before we say so long? Why do the, the, the big networks or the Foxes and the ESPNs, why do they spend you know, millions of dollars on certain talent? Like uh, like a Skip Bayless, nobody watches that show. Um, you know, Mike, Little Mike, his show's struggling. That's a struggle. Yep. He's getting paid a lot. Uh, Colin Cowherd got paid a lot of money. He doesn't matter. Yep. Why, why are they paying all of these, like, especially like Fox? Or even ESPN. They spend a lot of money on Stephen A. Smith. Yep. Like, like none of these guys matter. If these guys left, it wouldn't matter. Especially, they're, they're not worth $5 million a year. And in, in what sense does it make to spend that money on these people? Well, uh, when, when the, it, the returns are not, not good. No, and I think the, the, the Mike Greenberg is the most interesting of them here because he was... I mean, he and Mike Golick, I know you weren't fans of Mike and Mike, but uh, that was ESPN's bread and butter in the morning. Apart from like, you know, apart from like Sunday NFL, you know, NFL primetime, what what else would you associate more with ESPN than Mike and Mike? You know, or a, a, a I like, sports I center. like the new version. I like this new version. Yep. Uh, have, with Wingo, he's a dude. Yep. Have they you got, ever watched uh, Breadomology? 
What? Bretymology is a segment that they do on the show. They give origins of phrases. It's phenomenal. Yep. It is uh, easily the most uh, anticipated segment that they do each week, at least for me. Um, but, but they're, you know, they're, they're going to have Mike Jr., I'm sure, take over in a few years. So yep. uh, he's good. And everybody else they got on the show. Well, I prefer this new show than, than the past show. Yeah, I, and, I, and maybe it's because of the maybe the hot takes that Greenberg had. Um, yeah, and you're, you're paying him an, a ton of money. You're paying Jalen Rose and Michelle Beadle a lot of money. And you know what? Good for them for getting the money. And I'm, I'm not going to you know say that they aren't worthy, but I mean, just this show, this new show is not, not good. It's, it's not good. And uh, I think when you lose out on sporting events like the World Cup, I don't know if this was a, a bidding thing or whatever, um, with Fox. Apparently, what Marcus said, they just kind of gave it to Fox. I don't know why. I mean, Who, FIFA year, or ESPN? Uh, like FIFA, whoever is in control of it. You know, ESPN had, and they not this time. Like you asked Marcus about that, how that came about. You know, they just kind of gave it to Fox. Uh, next go around, it's going to be what in October? It's so goddamn hot. And yeah, in, in Cutter. Yep. Yep. Cutter. Who the hell knows? It's going to be a thousand degrees. Well, everybody did you dumb shits. Right. Um, just, you know, corruption upon corruption. Uh, so that's going to be during football season. So that's going to be interesting uh, how the World Cup on Fox is going to work during football season. Right. I think uh, the majority will go. And plus, if it's October, that's baseball. I mean. And if, and if uh, they still got Thursday night football at that time, well, shit, that's two nights a week. Yeah. You're going to have football on. Well, but. I guess it'll depend on what time of day these matches are played at. I mean, it works right now for Fox and FS1. I mean, that you can play them in the morning, you know, one early, and then yeah. the, the last game is in the is early afternoon. So it works out well for them there. I guess regarding Fox, you know, Colin Coward got paid a lot of money. Of course, Skip Bayless, he's worthless, but he's he makes a ton of money there. Uh, you know, Colin Coward and Jason Whitlock, I don't, I'm not a fan of their show. Uh, I really haven't given I've never it. Seen, I have no. They're their PTI ripoff. I've never. Right. I've never seen. Right. I don't. There's nothing that would appeal to me. Put a thing. It's an hour long, and that's yeah. Fun. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I if I'm going to watch something, it's going to be PTI. So I'm well, that's the, the the role of the Royce shows. Yeah. I I am more loyal to ESPN than I probably should be, but I really enjoy like Scott Van Pelt Sports Center and. Yeah, uh, I mean, I enjoy Kenny Mayne. I like seeing Kenny Mayne. Kenny Mayne went away yeah. for a while, and now he's doing more sports centers, and that's probably due to the cuts that ESPN had. But I like Kenny Mayne. Kenny Mayne's a funny dude, and I'm glad that he's on Sports Center as much as he is. Keith Olbermann's coming back. He's yep. uh, going to do a few sports centers. That'll be fun. Yep, he's been a PTI uh, fill-in uh, yeah. as necessary. And you're right. You know, Trey Wingle bugs me, but I'm coming around to him more with this show. I think it's. Uh, and you know what's what's great about Golik and Wingo is that they actually talk some freaking hockey. I mean, they, they've talked about you know Barry Trotz. They had I don't know who they had last week, uh, but it was about the cup. They talked about Alex Ovechkin a lot. They talked about the the Capitals. They had the Capitals announcer on. They've had Eddie Olchek on. Uh, they talked way more hockey in this postseason than I think they had in the previous three years. Uh, on Mike and Mike, and which leads me to believe that Greeny was the one pulling the strings more on well, that because Golik actually like seems to like hockey somewhat. I would imagine there's going to be a lot more MMA and UFC talk 
Could. Since they get that, yep. since they get that TV contract next year, yep. I think you'll see more of that on Sports Center, ESPN, all over the place. On ESPN Plus 2. Pay four ninety nine for it. Enjoy your seven day free trial. I'll pass. Okay. Very good. Uh, Krenz, is pleasure as always, and uh, we'll talk next week, my friend. All right. We'll see you there, and uh, go like And we'll see you tomorrow night. And That's right. C- continued success on the links. Terrific. We're getting better. We're trying. Very good. All right. See you later. All right. We'll see you. Travis Crins joined us here, Sports Block Podcast. Appreciate his time and perspective as always. Uh, good stuff there. Uh, hopefully, now coming up next, we'll have Marcus Traxler to talk some World Cup. Uh, no, he's plugged into it. Some major, uh, some stunning results, really, quite frankly, through the first round of group play. So, uh, otherwise, we'll, we'll talk some World Cup here and then wrap up the podcast. So, shorter podcast this week here. You can find the Sports Block Podcast available on iTunes. Just search the Sports Block Podcast. Also, follow me on Twitter, at Andy Stacken, and Facebook, Nathan Stacken. Have a link to the podcast posted the middle, later part of the week. Uh, coming up next, World Cup Talk. It's big. It's a global sport. It's the biggest sport uh, sporting event in the world. We'll get some thoughts on that next here on the Sports Block Podcast. We continue here on the Sports Block Podcast, and he's not just our resident NHL expert that we turn to, but he's also our World Cup. He's the Taylor Twellman, and I don't know, I wait, do, would you like that as a compliment, Marcus, if I compared you to Taylor Twellman? I'll take it. I, I suppose that's better than Alexi Wallace or, or uh, some other idiot on Fox, so okay. I'll take it. Okay, fair enough. Uh, you won't go, like, shrieking when... When U.S. loses to Trinidad and Tobago, I would hope. But uh, I mean, if it, if it happens, if it happens again in 2021, I might. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. Uh, I mean, obviously, we don't have to worry about America in the World Cup. But the World Cup's gone on. Every team has played at least one game in group play, and I I can't remember. I mean, I'm fascinated by this. I the, the every four years the World Cup always lures me in. I'm not a huge soccer fan. But, damn it, there have been just some great games and some very interesting results out of everything that's happened through the first round of games. What has been the most surprising result to you? Uh, to me, it's Mexico over Germany, uh, one nothing. I, I know a lot of people have maybe put the focus on Iceland, uh, tying Argentina, but I think... Uh, if you followed Iceland in the last two years since they made the big run at the European Championships, they, they're a really good team. I mean, they're mm-hmm. ranked, I think, uh, top 20 or top 15 in the world. So, um, you know, that may speak more to Argentina and not, not getting the job done to the degree that they expect. And that's certainly been their MO previously. Um, so I would say that the, that, that match, the way Mexico played and, and Germany just, not, not that they didn't, uh, you know, that they weren't aggressive, but they just seemed completely shell-shocked in the way Mexico played. Um, I think Mexico played pretty much the ideal ideal matchup, ideal way of playing against them, considering they're the world champions. And uh, they're really in control now to, to advance in that group, which is incredible. I think, and, they, uh, I think they were sleepwalking through it, to, quite, to, to be quite honest, or maybe they had just too much beer the night before. Yeah, I mean, there, there's, certainly, uh, there's certainly, you know, some answers that need to come forward for Germany. Um, there's actually a pretty good track record of the 
defending world champion struggling in that first game of the World Cup, so maybe that's something we should have seen. Um, and then I'll, I'll go with uh, the one uh, on Tuesday here, uh, the very early match, or maybe it was the second match, uh, Japan beating Colombia mm-hmm. uh, 2-1. Japan now in the driver's seat, and if you want to take that one step further, uh, you've got Senegal getting a victory in kind of controversial fashion. So um, you know, those two teams are in really good positions, and you've got Colombia, who was my favorite, I think, to win that group probably a lot of people's favorite um they're they're in the hole now so um yeah like you said i maybe not i, I wouldn't say that this has been amazing play or, or every game has been amazing but there's just been so many weird results and games that have just kind of gone differently than you could have planned and that's fun I, i'm i'm with you there so let's just stay in group h here for a moment uh you mentioned that japan gets the win over colombia what well, you know colombia star player was it carlos vegas or something uh yeah he he is he receives a red card in the third minute because he sticks his hand out on a shot by japan it it's inconceivable that he would you would think that he would do that so colombia is playing the final 87 plus minutes a man down uh, Japan scores on their on the on the penalty kick there, and they end up winning two to one. So you mentioned it just how much that puts Colombia in a hole. But do do you think they this is a team? I don't know if I can necessarily trust Japan, but do we think Colombia will be able to uh, rebound or bounce back from this? Yes, I mean I think of the eight groups. This is kind of the uh, and maybe uh, with exception to Group A because we talked. Uh, in advance that that was also a very weak group with Russia but um, this has been the one group that I think is just kind of out there for the taking I think Colombia's best of those teams all the European teams are good so I wouldn't rule Poland out to get you know a couple more results in, in advance but Senegal I mean they're basically carrying the African uh, banner at this stage because Africa has not fared well in this tournament and maybe wasn't expected to do great because some of their Typical stalwarts are not in this tournament, right. but um, Japan. I mean, they've, they've, they've been around before. I, I don't think that their victory uh, in the first game over Colombia is necessarily indicative of what kind of team they are. Because the, you know, one goal came on a penalty, another one came on a corner kick. So you know, that's that's against the run of play, so to speak. We'll see how this this unfolds going forward, but. Um, what a weird group it is. Yeah, group Sen- H. Senegal gets the 2-1 win over Poland, and the second goal was controversial because you have a guy run out. When you were watching, I mean, it, it's tough to explain because he's running out onto the field like right away. It, it it would appear to be, is it an injury substitution or was it just a substitution in general? I, I've never, I guess, seen this. I, like I say, I don't watch a lot of soccer, so I don't know if you've ever seen something like this. But he has a, essentially a breakaway for a goal, and that puts Senegal up two to nothing. Uh, I mean, who knows if if it hadn't counted, how that would have played out? Uh, of course, Poland does score later, but you don't know if Senegal maybe changes their uh, the way they attack a little bit differently with a one nothing lead. But they are the lone African country to get a win in the opening group round or group play here but uh that play did you seen anything like that before never seen anything like that i believe it was sort of an injury situation so they took him off the field and then he sort of is standing there you know where the the fourth official is at mm-hmm. and he's sort of waiting for permission to go in the ref says yeah and the ball is coming you know uh let's see that was 
that was Poland. Poland kicks yep. it back uh, towards the goaltender, and he just darts for the ball, and he's going to try to cut it off, and he does, and then just sort of pokes it past uh, the goalkeeper. I mean, I had never seen anything like that, but, you know, he wasn't offside because you can't really have offside from your own side of the field. So yep. um, that was incredible. I mean, that was just an incredible play. You know, boneheaded in the sense of, of for Poland, but how can you even plan on that guy even being there? So it's a very weird situation. Uh, Russia beats Egypt two or three to one, uh, spoiling Mohamed uh, Salah's return. So Egypt is more than likely done unless somehow Saudi Arabia upsets Uruguay and then it puts everything kind of into, I guess, a little uh, little precarious situation there. But we got to think Russia and Uruguay have are, will advance. How impressed have you been with Russia? I mean, very impressed. I mean, the fact that they uh, they scored eight goals is is uh, very shocking. I thought that I thought Egypt would win today. To be honest, I didn't think it would be a uh, a three one loss, and they got the you know three goals in the span of about twenty minutes in the second half. So that's a big big boost for Russia going forward. I mean, they're basically assured of, of going to the round of sixteen now, and they're going to get. I mean, depending on how this all shakes out, they're going to get. Uh, they could see Iran in the second yeah. round. I mean, you're looking at um, you're looking at potentially Russia reaching the quarterfinals. Because I would assume that Portugal or Spain, and they both could advance. But if Iran is going to sneak through, they'll be the second team, and so that puts Russia in a very good spot. Do we think Iran's got a chance in this? I mean, Portugal and Spain played a three-three draw. Uh, Ronaldo scores all three goals. He was fantastic uh, for Portugal. We got to think that Portugal and Spain are somehow going to advance, right? I mean, Iran wins. What wasn't it on an own goal against Morocco? Yeah. So I yeah, mean, we've had like we've had like five of those in this. Y- in this yeah. tournament so far. Yeah, I mean, it's just been weird, dude. I mean, do we think Iran really has a chance to hang on here? I don't. I mean, I, I would say that uh, we'll obviously learn quite a bit um, on Wednesday, and I think that um, I think Spain will beat them. I mean, the fact that Iran is not an, an offensive powerhouse, so the you know they're they're a team that's going to look to maybe get through on goal differential, and I just can't see them surviving games with. Portugal and Spain and not giving up, you know, three goals in either of those teams, so, or at least two goals, so yep. it's, it's going to be a very difficult situation for Iran, but if they, I mean, if they can somehow, uh, you know, Spain didn't get out of the group last year, or, you know, uh, four mm-hmm. years ago, I don't believe, so, um, you know, weird things tend to happen uh, in, the, in the group stage, and this is, you know, it really feels like it's a two-team race, but if Iran already has three points, that's a sheet of strength. And what makes this all the more remarkable again is the fact that Iran. I, I don't know. Did they get? Did they ever get the footwear issue resolved? I didn't hear anything about that. What was that about? So Nike, they had the sponsorship with Nike, but then Nike pulled it, pulled out like the week before the World Cup started because of the sanctions levied by the United States against the country of Iran. Gotcha. And okay. so they were scrambling for shoes, and I hadn't heard who they were going to get to sponsor them or whatnot. I mean, it, it's it's bizarre to say the least, but uh, and it just seems weird because it's not like this is the first time sanctions have been placed on Iran, and they had gotten shoes from Nike before, or the, the boots. So it, it's weird to... Well, we'll see how Iran can do their Group C, France and Denmark... Both won, so I don't. I mean, we gotta expect both of those teams probably to advance, and then it's it's Group D. Now, if there is a 
I guess I hadn't heard. What was classified as the group of death headed into this year's World Cup? Because Group D looks like it to me. Yeah, I, I maybe would have made uh, the designation for either Group E or Group F. Um, because okay. you've got, uh, you know, Brazil and Switzerland was sort of an underrated first, you know, first uh, group rotation game. And that ended up being a draw. Uh, and so, I mean, Switzerland, I don't, obviously not this time, but I think last time around, they were a top eight seed or top seven seed and had one of the premier draw positions in 2014. So uh, they've been good before. Costa Rica obviously has been a, a top out in the CONCACAF stuff and Serbia um, has been solid and Serbia beat Costa Rica in the first round. But um, I would agree with you, Croatia, you know, looking very good. Nigeria is probably the strongest of the African teams. Um, Argentina is, they've got Lionel Messi um, and they've got, um, They've got uh, other great goal scorers as well. Uh, Dean Maria, I think, is who I'm thinking of in this case. And so, you know, they're they're in a position where I think they're still going to get out of this group. But, you know, when the ball's on the foot of Lionel Messi for a penalty uh, in the second half and potentially put you through with a victory, uh, you just kind of assume that he's going to finish that. And uh, that's heartbreaking for uh, the folks down in Argentina for sure. Yeah, he withered under pressure, and I was I watched more of this game than I have any other game in the World Cup because I'm all on Iceland, been on Iceland ever since the Euros. Uh, so, I mean, it just seemed like Iceland was trying to do everything in their power in the second half. To lose this game, I mean, they, they turned it over a lot on their own side. Uh, of course, Argentina applied plenty of pressure. Uh, Iceland's goalie played absolutely out of his mind. But do we think Iceland has a real shot to advance here? I certainly think they do. I mean, I would say Argentina arguably is probably going to be their toughest test, though Croatia is certainly good, and as you mentioned, Nigeria may be the best of the African countries. But do we? How? what do we peg Iceland's chances of of advancing after this uh, first result? I'd say it's good. I think their main problem is that they're just, to me, they're not a very offensive team. So you're going to be relying a lot on defense. And they, that was kind of their MO in, uh, in the European Championships two years ago. So I think, you know, you're, you find yourself in a position where you, you gotta win matches, you know, 1-0 or 2-1. Um, and so if they can find a way to do that, and their goaltending has, like you said, has been very good traditionally, um, that's certainly a, a strength of their team. I, I think they've got a good chance. Now, uh, Croatia, obviously, you know, a very strong team and, and that, uh, that's their last game uh, when they meet on the 26th. So, um, you know, that is a, a tough spot. I like Iceland's chances to, to get out of the group. Good, good. And then, as we mentioned, Brazil, Switzerland, 1-1 draw. I thought that was surprising, but you didn't. You aren't uh, as shocked as I think a lot of people were that Brazil tied with Switzerland. Yeah, I mean, Brazil is just kind of one of those teams. Um, I, to me, obviously, they've had a, a tremendous amount of success. They've won the the World Cup uh, five or six times, but um, you know they just have so much talent, and to me, it seems like they never really have an easy time putting it all together. Um, there was immense pressure on them in 2014. We saw the 7-1 defeat in the semifinals to Germany, um, and so I think you know it's going to take a little bit to get going. I wouldn't be worried about Brazil long term in this uh, tournament, but I, I, it doesn't shock me, I guess, to see them struggle in the first game against a good team, and I think. They'll respond well in these next two games and probably still win this group. 
Mexico, Germany, we mentioned, uh, sent shockwaves literally throughout the whole entire uh, world, especially the country of Mexico. They're getting that earthquake, uh, but with Germany now, it, it Sweden beat South Korea, so they have the three points there. How much trouble is Germany in, in your opinion? Um, I mean, I think it's a challenge because they're going to face Sweden in the second game. You're facing another European team that you know is at least going to have a better idea of what to expect. Um, Germany is the stronger of the, of the teams. They're the strongest team in this group, so I, right. I still think they'll get through. Um, and if it does come, you know, if push comes to shove, they play South Korea in the last game. That should be a situation where you get three points and you still find a way to get out of this group. Because I think Mexico, they played very well. Uh, there's, you know, from an attacking standpoint, there's there's still some work to be done. And so I'm not totally convinced that this is um, the the Mexico we're going to see for the duration of the tournament. To me, that leaves an opening that Germany can still potentially even win this group. And finally, Group G, uh, England squeaks by Tunisia. i got to think that's... Uh made a lot of folks in England a little uh, a little worried about seeing that result. And then Belgium uh, put together a strong second half against Panama. Uh, this Belgium squad looks really good. They are. And uh, to me, um, you know, because of the way the bracket is set up, they're the strongest of these eight teams, you know, between Group G and Group H. We kind of talked about mm-hmm. Group H kind of being a mess. England, I think, would be the second strongest team. But, but Belgium uh, would just... So many good players, and they've they've been around before. They did a lot of pressure on them too early. Um, and I, I mean, England is lucky to have gotten three points. Harry Kane saved yes. them for sure in that game. Um, they're they're trying a different method here. Obviously, that, that's one of the toughest countries to play for because there's so much scrutiny. Um, and they've had sort of an old guard previously and and flamed out in these tournaments. Now they're trying some of these younger guys. Um, and, and Harry Kane, I think, in a lot of ways, sort of represents this new new guard. I mean, there's no Wayne Rooney, uh, and so this is the, the chance to move forward and maybe blaze a new path. I think he, I think this is a team that that could find themselves in the quarterfinals. And uh, you know, I think I think England would have to take that um, mm-hmm. and at least get to that point and see what happens. But um, I, I like Belgium and England. I think uh, they play on the, on the last day. It'll be very interesting to see what happens in that match because that'll probably be for the group victory. Right. So you find yourself in a position where maybe you get a chance to sort of dictate who you're going to get to play, and that's a good position to be in uh, on the third uh, third day of group play. It's going to be fascinating to watch. Uh, we got a lot of World Cup ahead of us left. Uh, quickly, before I let you go, what were your thoughts on the U.S. Open, Brooks Kepka winning it, Thoughts on the course, thoughts on the overall play. I'm not a huge fan of seeing the guys struggle as much as they did. I get that, you know, you don't want a birdie fest. But to me, it seems like the USGA went above and beyond making this course difficult. So for for the fans that wanted to watch golfers struggle, you were in for a treat all four days, especially over the weekend. To me, this isn't, it wasn't, nearly as good and of course you know you don't have as much star power apart from Dustin Johnson of course Brooks Kepka winning his second straight U.S. Open but what were your thoughts overall on the U.S. Open and the course in general well if you don't mind I, I kind of have a lengthy answer because yeah go I've, ahead. I've got a lot of a lot of thoughts yep. I, you know obviously um I, I was fortunate enough to go last year when it was at Aaron Hills to me you know Aaron Hills took a lot of criticism for the way that played because people felt that, that was too easy but 
you know, if you would have had the condition that they had at Shinnecock with the win that they were planning on, mm-hmm. um, Aaron Hills would have been a lot tougher as well. So I think that's a, you know, it's interesting to look back on that tournament now in the light of Shinnecock. Certainly. You know, 15 years ago, they had almost the exact same problems. They had it worse probably than even they had at this time. I don't understand how the USGA can make that mistake again, considering, you know, the whole lead up to this tournament was like, okay, we learned from 2004. Mm-hmm. Well, no, you didn't. If, if this is the problem, I mean, and if you're if you're the USGA and you're you know worried about the course setup, um, and by the way, of all the weeks in the year, this is the only week we care about the course setup. It's the only tournament that's scrutinized like this, yep. good or bad. I think that's fine. I mean, the the fact that people care and pay attention to how the course is set up is great. But um, to leave it leave such a small margin with the weather, where the wind can change on you, and all of a sudden you're screwed isn't a very smart way of operating a tournament, I don't think. And so um, I, I just think, you know, I like that it's a difficult test. It got out of hand on Saturday. I didn't mind the way it played on Sunday. I don't think Tommy Fleetwood going for – I mean, Tommy Fleetwood going for 63 is out of character for the rest of the tournament, but I don't have a problem with that in general. And so um, I was entertained. I think, you know, we got closer to – you need to have a good shot to be rewarded. And on Saturday, that wasn't the case. Um, Brooks Kepka's a great player, and I'm glad he won. He was kind of my pick going into Sunday after it was clear kind of who was in the picture. Um, and so it's very odd that he's got three uh, U.S. you know tour wins, and two of them are at the U.S. Open. Right. Um, and that's a, that's a tremendous accomplishment. And so you know, I just think um, I enjoy the tournament every year. It's the it's probably my favorite major. And I understand people love the Masters, and I'll get up and, and I'll watch the British Open at four in the morning yep. uh, next month when it starts. But you know, it's just one of those things I I really enjoy, and it didn't really sour it for me. I just love all the reaction. It's one of the tournaments that you know people they, they take in the whole thing, every single aspect of it, course, you know, pin positions, all that stuff. And to me, that's fine. So. It, is it because though that the USGA goes out of their way to make this more difficult? Like it, it, we don't hear, I guess you know, after Tiger Woods kind of dominated Augusta for a few years, they, they lengthened the course out. So we heard about that for a few years. But I mean, the Masters is for the most part roughly the same as it is every year because uh, it's obviously the yeah. same course. So the, obviously, the U.S. Open is played at different courses throughout the country, but it just seems like the U.S. GA goes out of their way to try and make this more difficult. Like that's what fans expect. That's what players expect. And it just seems like they overstep their um, boundaries a little bit with this year. Yeah, and I think you know the USGA sometimes just kind of steps into it. Yep. You know, where it's just like don't invite yourself to this criticism. Just set the course up and just be done with it. But I think you know people. You know, there's always questions to be asked, and and USGA. You know, I'm glad they try to open this and at least give us some answers, but um, sometimes I just think they need to set the course and just be done with it, you know. And, and uh, you know, I think it's also worth noting golfers like to complain. Professional <laughs> golfers are whining, and so that's part of this as well, is that, you know, they complain about uh, about the course being too difficult. Zach Johnson said they lost the course. They didn't lose the course on Saturday. They had two pin positions that were hard, and then the whole field played three shots worse than than uh, you know what how they had played the day before or earlier in the day, um, and it let Tony Finau and Daniel Berger hit back into the tournament. To me, it would have been hilarious if Finau or Berger would have won on the back of you know this weird setup on Saturday. To me, the tournament would have been 
you could argue the tournament would have been tainted in that way or mm-hmm. whatever, and it would have that would have been controversial. That I, to me, that would have blown the Phil Mickelson crap out of the water. So <laughs> that was that was one of the other things I was rooting for. Yeah, but yeah. It it uh, you know it's very interesting when you sit back and kind of evaluate how that tournament unfolded. Well, you mentioned Phil Mickelson. So what are your thoughts on that? I mean that. Hey, you know, the USGA may say some stuff you probably don't like, but I mean, Phil Mickelson, you know, take foot, insert, and mouth. I mean, with his explanation of what he did and putting that ball that was still rolling on the green, taking a two-stroke penalty, he, I think he should have been disqualified. I, and yeah. I've, I've changed my stance a little bit because initially when I first saw it, I was like, okay, you know, it, it's not great. Uh, but I mean, it is what it is, but then, you start to hear, you start to think about it more, and like, you know, for a guy of his stature, it's a little unbecoming of him. So maybe he should have gotten DQ'd, and I think this is going to stick with him for a while. And in part, it's because of his lousy explanation afterward. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that part. He, you know, he always acts like he's the smartest guy in the room. We've seen this in other in other instances as well. You know, people sort of reference the Ryder Cup, you know, about six years ago or. Or so when he, you know, basically said they got to blow it up and change the format, and they did, you know, and everybody listened to Phil, and so um, I, I agree with you. I, you know, at first I, I didn't think maybe he needed to be disqualified because they applied the rule as it was written, but the, you know, like you said, the more I thought about it, it's just like you know, it's just kind of a dumb thing to do, and mm-hmm. to me, that's sort of what it comes back to. Um, I don't think he should be jailed for it. I don't think he should be. You know, forced to sit out the next, you know, you know, five U.S. Opens right. or whatever. But uh, to me, and and I don't really like people, you know, hand wringing about this either. Where you know, they're saying, you know, we'll go get him, or that, you know, I understand what you're saying about his legacy. To me, it doesn't change much about his legacy. He's always been kind of a weird dude, um, and so it was just a really dumb thing to do. His explanation didn't make any sense, and you know, I just think. I, I think he would have been better off to just say, you know, I yeah, I, I, I made I made a mistake. I was frustrated, and um, you know, I, I think he, people would empathize with him mm-hmm. because to me, he was trying to like dump the USGA under the bus a little bit because that was that dip, that whole hole was so difficult. But then he didn't really follow through on it, and it was just kind of a very weird way to sort of cop that statement. And I. Yeah. You know, to me, it's like if you're going to do that, go all the way and just say, "Yeah, this is my protest to the USGA," because I think in that way uh, he would have been a folk hero because people would have understood where he was coming from because that hole was difficult and it was sort of a mockery. And he uh, he just made he just kind of you know every time made a statement more that didn't make any sense. And then, and then when you attack the fans and say, "Well, hey, you don't get it." Um, or you got to lighten up. That's, that's not good either. That didn't. That doesn't do him any, any favors either. Well, plus when the wife says, "Hey, uh, yeah, you were wrong. You probably should listen to her. Maybe you realize that. Yeah, I, I did something I probably shouldn't about there. But you're right. Yeah, uh, and, the, and the other, the other thing I would say is that I, I wonder if he got to the end of the tournament and he thought, "Hey, this, I let this get away because everybody kind of went into the tournament thinking, "Hey, this is one he could win. You know, he's people like him in New York. He's." You know, he's played well in the past there, and he just played bad all weekend. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if some of that, you know, maybe got into his head where he, you know, maybe he will reflect on this and think, yeah, I, I let that get away. I mentioned this to Krenz earlier, uh, but it's interesting that Joe Buck 
And Fox was calling the U.S. Open this time, and it, it, the whole it just they blew this Phil Mickelson thing as if it were the biggest scandal that golf's ever seen. And Joe Buck, by the way, was the guy who called Randy Moss's fake mooning in the game in the playoff game against the Packers the most disgusting act he's ever seen. So leave it to leave it to Fox I, I, and blow out of the proportion a little bit here. I would say that I think Joe Buck his analysis of that sort of live sort of captured what a lot of people felt where they're just kind of yeah. like what what the hell is he doing you know and he didn't say that but you know I, I don't I don't think he was out of line there I think certainly you watch Randy Moss moon somebody yeah. you you may feel a little bit differently I think you know we probably all laugh but we're right in the too so um, you know and if, if we're just going to go there I thought Fox was you know fine they certainly mm-hmm. had some weird moments uh, with the sound and stuff over the weekend and I would maybe cut back on miking uh people near the crowd because I don't like encouraging that behavior and saying stupid uh, stupid stuff all the time. But overall, I, I think Fox is going in to do a pretty good job with UFO. Yeah, this is year four, and they've, they've certainly come a long way since year one. Uh, lastly here, um, I hear that uh, you had mentioned Brainerd. Now, we're talking about some the Cragen's courses. Is that correct for a, for a golf outing here in the future? Well, we, we talked about it, and, and I brought it up to Cringe because it was something I had kind of looked into I've never played any of those courses up there, and I know there's kind of a couple different resorts there. Yep. And so any of those would be would probably be fine for me, but um, yeah, I'd be up for it. If, if And I'm kind of thinking either, you know, very late summer or sometime during the fall, I think it'd be fun. And we'd probably have a, you know, a, a group of four or whatever and, and go up and uh, spend a couple nights and, and play some golf, so... Yeah, if, if that was something uh, you were interested in, we, we could do that. And uh, I've never played up there, so I'm kind of interested. I'm not any good, but that's uh, that's uh, you know probably you know a small part of uh, of the operation. Well, I'm going to Craigans here with my family in July. Uh, where we will be golfing the the Legacy courses, or at least sure. one of them. Uh, they've got two courses there and a par three course, uh, so it's, it's very good. I'll give you a scouting report here when I when I get back, and uh, we'll we'll see if we can make something work here. That sounds good, man. All right. Marcus, thanks as always for the time, my friend, and uh, I'm sure we'll chat later as the World Cup continues. Sounds good. Take care. Thank you. Marcus Traxler, Mitchell Daily Republic, kind enough to spend good uh, good chunk of time with us, and uh, great stuff as always. He, he's very knowledgeable, um, like having him on, of course, to talk hockey, but here we're talking uh, World Cup, we're talking golf, and uh, just great conversation there. Marcus Traxler, follow him. Online uh, or on Twitter? What do you got here? I think he's a MD Traxler. Is that it? Let's get the old handle for Marcus. See if we can get him a few more uh, followers. Anyway, this is the uh, Sports Block podcast, and uh, you can find us available on iTunes. Just search the Sports Block. Uh, Marcus Traxler is the at, at Marcus Traxler is the Twitter handle, and so find us on on iTunes. Just search Sports Block. Also follow me on Twitter at Andy Stacken. Also Facebook Nathan Stacken. We'll have a link posted this podcast later in the middle part of the week. Thank you to Marcus for joining me as well as Travis. Uh, podcast will get shorter and shorter as the summer goes on, and uh, there'll be a few weeks where we won't uh, be doing a podcast. But we'll let you know when those weeks happen. So with that being said. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of the Sports Blog Podcast. Hope you enjoyed it, and we'll be back next week to talk more World Cup, baseball, NBA draft, and see what else is going on in the world of sports. Nathan Stacken saying thank you for listening to this week's edition of the Sports Blog Podcast, and we'll talk to you again next week.
on the Sports Block Podcast.